it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer and the brewing industry, and have a conversation with the people who make the industry what it is, and see what we can learn from them. And this week, we talk the science of beer with PhD candidate Kelsey Picard, one of the founders of the event Science Made Beerable. Kelsey's scientific background isn't in beer, but she is a beer lover, and her developing love for our favourite drink as a consumer tickled her own scientific curiosity. And in doing so, she has become an enthusiastic advocate for sharing the science of making it. In this conversation, we talk about what fired that interest, the challenges in communicating about science and, of course, beer, and whether brewers are great at communicating about the things that they make. Spoiler alert, often they're not. We also talk about what the brewing industry can learn from the science industry in a range of areas, including communication and inclusion. It's a great chat about the magic that underpins brewing, and how we can communicate that to fire other people's passions from someone who communicates that passion very well. I hope you enjoy the conversation and learn as much as I do. Kelsey Picard, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks for having me. Although I should probably say this is potentially more of a science is a conversation than a beer is a conversation. It could be. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> now, I should say, you and your colleague, Matt Fielding, um, describe yourselves as scientists and beer lovers, and you created Beerable Science, which we'll talk um, about at length. But are you a beer lover or a scientist first? Oh, I think probably a scientist first. I think when I started my science career, I wasn't that interested in craft beer. I think I was probably drinking, I don't know, Heineken and... It didn't really have much of a palette for um, more interesting beers. So I think scientists first, but, you know, it's hard to separate the two now. Um, Beer and science are so interlinked. And so now, yeah, if you ask me now, it'd be very hard to answer. And I love, uh, again, I'm a humanities student, so I admire science. I wish I had a brain that functioned that way, and I'm fascinated by science. But one of the things I love about beer is that it shrinks the world to a beer glass and it does bring in functional science for me. And it's a way that I process a lot of my understanding of science is just trying to understand beer better. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the average beer drinker probably doesn't think about the science in that glass. Um, I mean, the average drinker is probably just happy to sit down at the end of a long day with a cold beer um, and enjoy that beer. And that's fair enough. But I think the people who are, you know, getting more interested in different styles and craft beer and, you know, they're wondering, oh, how did they create that flavour or what's, why is that one different to this? I think it just naturally starts that inquisition in people. Um, and then it's, yeah, I guess there's sort of a lack in, in in the information of what's the science behind that beer. And I guess potentially that's why Matt and I started Science Made Bearable, Um to try and break down that science and explain it in a, in a more understandable way to the general public. And there's so much about that that, uh, that we can dig into. So, But let's go back and talk a little bit about you. Um, obviously, you're a scientist before you're a beer lover. We've established that. 
but just explain your journey through science. You know, what was were you always going to study science, and what element of science you know is your PhD in? Yeah, I don't know if I was always going to study science. I think science just made sense to my brain, and maybe like you said before, you know, there's a certain way of thinking in a scientist, so maybe it just clicked for me. Um, I never really gelled with um, English or anything like that, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, science kind of just made sense to my brain, um, and my background is plant science, so I did a, an undergraduate in botany, and then I did a master's in biotechnology, um, and then now my PhD is in genetics of flowering. So it's not even in um, what I would call beer-related sciences, uh, some of the microbiology? No, completely unrelated, but you know the same sort of uh, ideas and techniques can carry over, you know, I, I have understanding of microbiology through my biotechnology uh, master's degree, so I understand the basic science of yeast, um, and then, you know, my botany degree kind of comes into play with the whole uh, hot breeding and all of that, um, but no, all of my research and um, experience has had nothing to do with their industry directly. So again, explain to me what it was about beer that attracted you, craft beer particularly, um, that saw you develop a much deeper interest than just, you know, what's my local or nearest or cheapest beer? Yeah, I think um, as much as, you know, some brewers and um, beer nerds don't really like untapped, that was my introduction into craft beer. Um, some colleagues and I downloaded the app and then we would spend every Friday, you know, going, we were living in Melbourne at the time, so we'd go to Beer Deluxe and get a tasting panel and we'd sit down and, you know, analyse what we're tasting and, and rate them and it, that was so fun. It was, a, I guess, a, a, you know, a numbers way or a, um, a scientific way for me to be sitting down with a beer and, and analysing it and so I, that's sort of what sparked my interest in, oh, this beer tastes different to this and this style is completely different. Why is that style different? What am I tasting there? Um, yeah, so that was probably the introduction into how I kind of looked at it from a more scientific perspective. That's interesting because, again, as I said, I'm a humanities student. You know, things like science, I, I, I need to be forced into my brain. They don't go in naturally. And I don't like untapped. There's mm-hmm. just something about it that, you know, I, I, it's the vibe of the thing. And I, I did enjoy words and I enjoyed English. And so, you know, I wonder. Um, but to me, that's one of the inclusiveness uh, angles of beer is that, you know, I, I don't poo-poo um, people who like untapped because it does serve that purpose for so many people. And uh, in hindsight, I'm sort of looking at some of the people who I know are most active on it and do have that very methodical um, regimen, you know, not pejoratively, but regimented approaches um, to the way that they that they like to document and they like to record and they like to test and you know experience through that level of recording, which is a is interesting. Yeah, I guess it's sort of like a, a beer cataloging, isn't it? It's like stamp collecting. Yeah, which I'm sure will bring us back to science made bearable. Um, but was it actually the recording? Of the beers that got you into craft beer from the, the, the Heineken's that you said you initially drank? No, it's definitely the flavours and just, you know, getting exposed to more flavours over time and more styles and realising, you know, there's a huge world of beer out there and the flavours are so amazing. Um, 
that was what did it for me. And, you know, you, you have a sour beer that has that lactic acid flavour and so you wonder, like, well, why does that beer have it but you don't get that in a lager? And so you just, you I guess if you're naturally inquisitive, you're just wondering why, you're always asking why. And so then, you know, because I have that background, I can I can look it up, I can look at the why and understand it and break it down. It's interesting that you say that you weren't good at English because, you know, just even setting up this interview in, in, in the chat that we've had already, you're very eloquent in the way that you explain things, which uh, do you consider yourself a science communicator or, you know, I, I, is that something that you enjoy or is that or, or are you a scientist who just happens to be able to explain it well? I think first and foremost, I'd call myself a scientist because that's what my career is and my focus is. Um, but I am really passionate about science communication, and I believe that it's every scientist should be a science communicator. They shouldn't really be separate roles. Um, and I mainly think that because it's the job of scientists to communicate their science. What What's the point of doing all this research if you can't explain the importance of it or how it fits in to everybody's lives and how it's applicable? Um, I think I've definitely developed skills in communication through science communication more specifically, so going and doing outreach um, projects in, in schools. And so, you know, you develop ways of communicating with all kinds of backgrounds where you're talking to, you know, kids who are five all the way through to 18 and then going to do um, more adult communication platforms, you know, um, Science Week events where you're talking to the general public. So I think const- constantly I'm thinking about, is this understandable to my audience? No matter what I'm talking about now, not even if I'm talking about science, I think it's just kind of ingrained now. It's interesting that you say that because, again, when you're dealing day to day with, you know, people who are at a PhD level of a subject and, you know, if it's the, you know, cellulose synthesis, which you've got on your LinkedIn profile, you know, that is something that the average person isn't just going to naturally understand. And it is very hard to distance yourself from the conversations you have on a professional level and take those concepts and break them down to people that don't have that background and that level of understanding, but is also true to you know not dumbing it down and not um what would the term be you know not making it cartoonish but making it accurate but understandable and that's a real challenge it is a challenge but it's really important that you're not missing the important information you know it is easy to remove the complicated stuff and give somebody a more simplified version of the truth but if, if it's not the truth really then it's kind of useless, isn't it? Um, and it, it is a skill and it's something that people, scientists, really work on through their career. And I think there's a sort of a generational change happening where younger scientists coming through really see the value in that and are developing those skills throughout their career. Whereas previously, I think, you know, if you imagine what a scientist looks like, it's a, a white man, old white man in a lab coat, and um, they're not very traditionally not very good at communicating to the general public. You know, they're talking around at each other, um, trying to prove that they're the smartest, you know, not to generalise, but that's the kind of stereotype you imagine. Um, but I really think there's a change now happening um, because, I mean, we, if we look around at, at big problems that are happening in the world, climate change, you know, the global pandemic, um, you see the amount of misinformation that gets spread and there's a huge distrust in scientists nowadays too, uh, 
I think that, you know, people are always looking for a hidden agenda. Why would the scientist be trying to push this? You know, there's always, they're always a bit suspicious. So it's, it's a bit of a shame. And I think hopefully if people see scientists as more of a, um, a per, you know, just a general person who means well, potentially those problems wouldn't be as big as they are today. It, it's really interesting that you say that because, you know, as difficult as science is, and there has been such a focus on scientists communicating their research and science communicating their science so people understand, I think the same could equally be said of brewing because we have had, uh, in, in Australia particularly, a 20-year craft beer industry and um a big part of, you know, if, if you go back 20 years, all you needed to know what was the coldest lager or the crispest lager or, you know, the, the adjectives. And craft beer has brought in a much greater focus on yeast and the flavours and the, you know, uh, flavours that they bring through um, uh, metabolising sugars and then hops and, you know, words, thiols, which would never have been a word that was used um in, in mainstream brewing 20 years ago and brewers get very excited about you know who deal in it every day get very excited about some of these terms and some of the hops and sometimes when I hear them explaining it on radio for example they know what they're talking about but they're doing talking to an audience that either doesn't necessarily need to know that level of detail or doesn't understand it anyway because they don't have the, the the background. So that's my interest in uh, you know how do you as a scientist communicate? Because how should brewers communicate what they do better um, to people that maybe don't have that level of knowledge? Uh, it's funny you say that because so you know I've been in science my whole career, and then this brewing beer science stuff is pretty new. So, you know, when I started this, I, I really had no idea how beer was brewed. And so for me, it's completely new. My, you know, my start baseline was, you know, I knew there were four ingredients to beer. I knew sort of the basic process, but had absolutely no idea what it really meant. And I don't, I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm sure it's not the case for everyone, but brewers are shocking. Using jargon, absolutely shocking. Offend away because I think the same. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like they're speaking another language. And the thing is, they know they know most of the science behind what what they're doing. Like you say, they're rattling off files and all of these terms because they know they know what's going on in these beers. They they are scientists. Um, but yeah, absolutely, they use the jargon they use makes it very impenetrable to somebody who doesn't have that background. So it's kind of funny because the way it works best for Matt and I, I mean, during our events, which we'll talk about, you know, we, we just stop them on the spot and say, sorry, can you just explain what a, what wet hopping is? You know, because people won't know. So you just have to stop them, get them to break it down. But when we're, you know, writing our blogs or doing some research into something, you hear a scientist, uh, sorry, a beer brewer talking about something really jargony. It's actually easier for Matt and I to go back to the literature and read a scientific paper that explains that and then realise what they were talking about, you know? And then we can use our science communication skills to break it down so the public might be able to understand that information. Funnily enough, because I don't come from a science background, when I spend a lot of time with consumers explaining, and even something as simple as malting, for example, which brewers just say, oh, well, you take the barley and then you malt it. 
And even when they then talk about, uh, and people sort of say, well, what's malting? Oh, well, we wet the seed and it germinates and it breaks down all of the complex carbohydrates and enzymes develop. And you can just sort of see people's eyes glazing over, even if they were initially interested. And so I've, I've again, hopefully it's not um, shockingly wrong. And I've said this in front of maltsters and scientists and not been pulled up uh, before. So, but you know, I, I equate it to being like a butcher. You know, the the sugars, the long chain sugars that are the carbohydrates in in barley are like a cow, but you don't. We as humans don't eat cows. So we need to get a butcher to cut it up into steaks. And so an enzyme is a sugar butcher who breaks those down into, and then, you know, so the yeast um, can eat steak sugars. And so I've just got, and people, again, strictly speaking, it's not correct. But when you're talking about the process of malting and turning uh, starches or carbohydrates into sugars, it lets them understand roughly what the process is. It's breaking down the connections between, you know, things. And that seems, and brewers laugh when I say it because they almost think that it's stupid to say it that way. But that was the way that I came to understand that myself. And I think sometimes we forget about our greatest interests. People don't have the background in to understand themselves. Yeah, I think, I mean, analogies are key. I think that's a great analogy. And, and you know, they're the best tool you, you can have to communicate complex ideas to people who don't have the background. Um, I think that it's easy when you're you're so involved in an industry, you know, brewing's your day-to-day, you know it inside out. It's really easy to forget that, you know, someone might know not know what malt is um, because it's so obvious to the brewer. Um, and so, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I think it's understandable that they're like that. And the scientists are like that all the time. They completely forget that, you know, the person they're speaking to across the table has absolutely no idea what they're talking about and they're just like nodding along politely. Um, but the key is that if you can communicate it in a, in a more understandable way, they're going to be more interested and you might get more people on your side. You know, you might, you might be able to convert a wine drink into a beer drink or, you know, you know whatever your, your um, purpose is. <laughs> And ironically, I find that where the average consumer doesn't care where their beer comes from, they don't value it. But the more they understand the miracle and the beauty of fermentation, even if it's done simply, it elevates the product. You know, it increases, it's not just something that comes out of a factory like cheese slices. When there is agriculture, and art and science behind it. If you can just make them understand the complexity of that, as a, you know, it, it, it's a miracle um, in in so many ways. Um, but it does, and, and wine is to some extent done that quite well by adding a, an element of mystery while still making the fundamentals approachable. I yeah, I have absolutely had that same experience. You know, I've I've been enjoying drinking craft beer for a while before I got interested in the science behind beer. But it wasn't until my first Pink Boots brew day where that was my very first time of seeing how beers brewed. You know, I'd read about it, we'd written blogs about it, but I'd never been there and seen it. Um, and that was so eye-opening because it was really quite simple. You know, you can brew a beer within a day, which I didn't realise it happens that fast. You know, in terms of you can do the whole process of the, the malt and the boil and add the hops that add the yeast and let it ferment. Um, 
And I think the thing that struck me was how scientific it was and that these brewers really are just scientists. You know, they've got their clipboard with all their temperatures and times and they're, they're monitoring everything constantly and they're making sure everything goes to schedule and I was just like blown away how scientific it was. But also absolutely how magical it was because it is such a simple process, just four ingredients and you can get such vastly different products. You know, even just like a different yeast strain or, um, you know, different hops you're going to use, you're going to get such a different product. And so I think it wasn't until I saw the beer being brewed in person and, you know, hearing from the brewers who are so passionate that I realised, wow, this is actually so fascinating and the world needs to hear more about this. Uh, the, the only equivalence that I can bring to that is, you know, the first time I saw Saturn or Jupiter through a telescope, instead of as a beautiful photo, actually seeing it with my own eyes in real life or um, the transit of Venus and actually seeing a planet move across the face of the sun. And uh, there's just something incredibly simple about seeing it with your own eyes but it does make you suddenly start going, so what is orbital mechanics after, you know, and, 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 and gravity? And, you know, it, 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 in simplifying, it also makes you want to embrace the complexities of something. Absolutely, yeah. It's just that natural inquisition that happens, you know, the more you learn, the more you want to know. But it makes it very visceral as well, you know, walking into a hop field or seeing or having the smells and, and we understand the world through our senses, um, you know, whilst we have the ability to, you know, rationalize and think, it is we experience the world through our senses. And if you can make something a sensory um, feeling, then it, it does trigger some of those deeper yearnings to understand. Just to step back, you, you said you drank Heineken. Can you remember your Epiphany beer or the beer that made you first start to think there can be more to beer than just something that's cool and refreshing? You know, and I think, vaguely alcoholic. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I went on a trip to the US for a friend's wedding, and that was where I got my mind open to true hoppy beers. Um, you know, you can get such amazing beers in America, and I, I guess I hadn't been drinking hoppy beers in Australia at that time, it was sort of before they were really popular and easily accessible. Um, and so, yeah, that, that blew my mind, the, the flavours, you know, the, the dankness you can get in a beer, that was amazing. And then ever since then, I was just seeking those super hoppy, fruity, tropical beers when I got back to Australia. Um, How long ago was this, just for f- yeah, reference? Yeah, uh, I think that would have been 2014. Okay. So there would okay. have been definitely an industry here. I just wasn't, I just didn't know about it, you know. Um, so that, that opened my mind to it. And then when I got here, well, came back, I was definitely seeking those flavours in, in beer here. Um, and then I think it was a natural progression of, you know, the, the darker amber ales, getting more of a caramelly rich malt flavour um, that I was seeking as well. And then... Um, it took me a while, but, uh, you know, sours blew my mind. Initially, I think most people who aren't really, don't have that kind of um, exposure to those flavours think, what the hell is this? Um, but, you know, the more you, the more I had sours, the more I was like, okay, this is fantastic. And I, I just wanted more and more and more wild fermented beers. 
And at what point did you go from just being interested in BR and being professionally involved in science to actually wanting to bring those two things together? Uh, so the way it all sort of came together was, well, Matt and I have been involved in National Science Week in different ways um, for quite a few years. Um, and then in 2020, basically, these events couldn't happen in person, which meant there was quite a restriction in terms of what events could go ahead. So there were some grants being put up looking for online events. Um, and so the way Science Made Bearable came about is that we decided to create an event for National Science Week in 2020. And we would do a live stream beer tasting with the brewers and talk about the science behind the beer. Um, so when we first did that event, we also would write some little blog posts um, to break down the basics of brewing and, and we would do some sort of science-focused beer tasting reviews and post them as well. Um, so that's how it all sort of started. It was basically, I guess, COVID lockdowns initiated it. Um, the event was a big success. Um, we got really great feedback and then so this is the fourth year we'll be running it. Um, so basically we get funding to run a live stream beer tasting event where we focus on science of beer. How did the first year go? Like did brewers embrace, I guess brewers love any form of uh, attention on, on, on beer, but did they embrace the, the, the premise of what you were trying to do? Yeah, brewers are scientists really you know they 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 get intimidated by the science but when you break it down they are scientists um you know a lot of them will say oh they get a bit intimidated by our event thinking it's going to be really scientific and that they're going to you know not know enough but that's not the point of it they do know enough they know heaps and they just don't really know it because they know it as a practical they know the science as a practical sort of skill whereas you know maybe not as a um, on paper kind of scientific uh, knowledge um, but we've never had any problems getting brewers on board I think they're they love talking about the science behind beer they're so passionate um, the first year was really great we, we had all Tassie brewers involved and I think the, the people who get involved are those type of people who they just science curious really passionate brewers and just love to talk about beer it's interesting that you say that brewers are practical scientists in a way because I'm, I'm always fascinated by something as simple that anyone can do as poach an egg. Um, but there is science behind it and understand just even having a basic understanding of the science and you know putting uh, vinegar into the water and changing the ph of the water can impact the proteins and the temperature and you know different temperatures and all of those sorts of things can help you do it better but you can still do it without any of the understanding. You know, kids can still do it without even understanding that, that there's science at all. Um, do you think that understanding the science can help to do it better? Or you know, is it a craft that you can just do by feel and experience and you know, winging it? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, there's absolutely an art to beer making. It's no, it's, no, it's not all science. There's absolutely an art to um, but you can't really separate art and science if you really think about it. Um, but I think these brewers are very scientific in their method. They're, 
making sure that everything is as they would want it to be in terms of pH, sugar concentration in the malt, temperatures are exactly how they want them. You know, they're, they're so measured and everything is so planned. But, you know, if you think about some of the wild ferment brewers, I guess they're sort of throwing caution to the wind and, and really embracing that art side where they're like, I'm going to chuck this flower in here and see what happens. But the thing is, when it works, they still want to know why, don't they? You know, they still want to be like, okay, what's, what's happening here? What's the science? What, what yeast strain is it? They can't help themselves because I guess, well, it's so fascinating. You want to know the answer, but also if it's really good, you want to be able to repeat it and you can't repeat it without knowing exactly what's going on. And, yeah, so that's why it is really a scientific process, even though there's a lot of art in there too. So, <laughs> you know, so I'm going to dance up to the line on this one. You, you, you said that brewers aren't always the best communicators of, of, of what they do and that you've sometimes gone back to the, to the papers and researched them and found a better way of explaining it. In your experience, what are some of the things that brewers should do better or, or what should they communicate better you know, just about beer and flavour and the process? Um, you know, I don't know if they should be doing anything. I think they're doing their jobs pretty well by making great beer. Um, but the ones that want to talk about it, I think, I feel like probably the most useful thing for the general public to hear is about the sensory experience, you know. It's, there's nothing better than hearing the brewer who made the beer talk about what you're tasting and what, what's there, because they know, they know better than anyone what's there and what you should be picking out. I really love hearing brewers talk about the, the tasting. And, you know, there, there's not so much jargon. There's still a little bit of jargon about what, what compounds are in there or, but I feel like that's sort of a really great gateway for brewers to get public or beer drinkers interested in the process and in in terms of the process it is a really simple process and I think it's probably stepping back and just thinking you know would my grandma understand the sentence I'm saying about you know carbohydrate sugar chains you know and is it is it really relevant to the person listening can I can I make it a little bit more simple Okay. Now tell us, this year we've got, you've got uh, Science Made uh, uh, or Beerable Science coming up, or Science Made Beerable, um, I should say. Um, it's coming up in August, uh, just under a month away, um, and you've got an online tasting. Is this the first time you've taken it national or made it available to a national audience? No, so the event's been um, national for the last three years. Okay. Um so the very first year, we it was much smaller because it was just the first time we've run it. Um, but since then, we also get the beers available to purchase from anywhere in Australia. Um, I should probably explain what the event is first. Yes, so please. The event, <laughs> the event is um, going to be on the 17th of August, which is a Thursday from 7pm. And basically, it's a live streamed panel tasting event where we get the brewers who have brewed the beers to sit with us and we taste them and talk about the science behind them um, and really break them down and and this year is exciting because we've got each brewer to brew two beers and the idea was that with that is to have a control and an experiment so basically these two beers are pretty much identical in a lot of ways in, in most of their ingredients 
but there's one key difference in the experimental there whether they use a different ingredient, a different process, or something has changed. And so we'll be able to taste the two beers side by side and directly compare and see what effect that, that change has had on the sensor experience of the beer. And I'm just calling up the details because uh, anyone that's listening to this podcast can buy the six pack um, and sit through this at home. And it's, it's a very dry argument. Um, li- listening to people talk about beer and not being able to experience, as I said, you know, we negotiate the world or navigate the world through our um, senses. So listeners can actually participate uh, this year by trying the beers. Yeah, so you can order your six-pack of beers from Black Hearts and Sparrows online. So it's a, um, a six-pack that's set up. So they're all unique beers brewed especially for our event. Um, they're pretty limited in numbers, so you should get on to ordering soon. They'll be sent to your house. Um, inside the little six-pack will be a flyer with information of how to join the live stream. And if you can't join on the night, the event will be recorded, and so you can just save your beers for whenever you're ready to um, ah, okay. join and watch at a later date. The, the benefit of watching live is that we will have the ability for you to send your questions and comments directly to the brewers live. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll ask the questions live to the brewers if there's something that we think is interesting. I'm... I've noticed over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years that, you know, when you have to apply for funding for a Science Week event, um, obviously there's a focus on popularising and, and, you know, doing things that are um, approachable by the greatest number of people. And beer is a great way of doing that. It, 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 it seems like it's a really nicely um, symbiotic um, pairing that brewers get to reach an audience of non-beer drinkers, um, but also science. You know, we've seen science in the pub um, style events, which are great as well, which is a great way of democratizing science. Do you think that there should be more scope or that there should be more focus on those sorts of things? Yeah, I think you're right that our event is unique in that way that we're sort of appealing to beer nerds, you know, people who just love beer but haven't probably thought about science but also appealing to science nerds who just love science and, you know, drink beers every now and then but haven't really thought about the science in their beer. Um, so it's quite a nice platform to communicate science and it's not in too dry a way. I think there's so much scope for events like this where we're taking an everyday product that you haven't really thought much about and breaking down the science to the general public to open their eyes about how there's science and everything and it doesn't have to be boring. You know, it can be really interesting. Again, I think it's fascinating. And a a, um, beer writer uh, described it as being fractally interesting, where the more you dig down, the the, the more the pattern, you know, replicates and you just get further and further into it. Yeah, absolutely. The, The more you start to learn, the more you can't help but question why and how. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's a snowball. You just, you can't stop looking. Um, another parallel that I've seen 
with brewing and science is the focus on making it more inclusive and you know and, and making it less blokey and you, you you alluded to science was very blokey blokes in white coats wanting to show how smart they were and that has been one of the um sort of accusations against brewing that it was very blokey and uh, very exclusive just by if for no other reason than its sheer blokiness um has that been changing in in, in the world of science yeah, it's um it's interesting um, coming into the brewing area and seeing how male dominated it is, and it's not that unfamiliar to my experience in science. There's definitely a change. I mean, sorry, I can't remember the exact stats, but it's something like fifty percent. When I was doing my undergraduate, fifty percent of the undergraduates were female, and then by the end, when you know you're doing PhD, it was something like. 15% were female and so they're dropping out through that uh, through that higher education process um, for all sorts of reasons but there's definitely what we call the leaky pipeline where you're losing females through that process um, which is really unfortunate but there's been a lot of uh, efforts to kind of patch those holes and retain females throughout there's definitely cultural changes in universities and industries to um, to try and fix that problem because it is a problem. It has huge flow-on effects. Um, I mean, the classic cliche is if you can't see it, you can't be it. And I, I see that so much in, in brewing. I feel not only because I'm not a brewer, I feel like such an outsider just because I'm female. Um, but it's been really nice. I guess one of our focuses when we do these, you know, put brewers on platforms and things with our events, we really focus on on just you know focusing on diversity and brewing. Um, so we want to have more females on our panel. We want to be able to show that there are female brewers doing amazing stuff. Give them a platform to put themselves out there. Um, so it's something we do focus on. It is a shame that both industries are still quite male dominated, but I do believe that both are really making efforts to change that. So hopefully we'll see some good changes coming. The, the last question, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you are based in Tasmania, which has a very vibrant and uh, growing uh, brewing industry. Uh, can I impose on you to name one brewery that you would recommend anyone uh, visit while they were in Tasmania? Oh, that's a good question. Do you question. have a favourite? Yeah, look, one of my favourite breweries, and it has been since we started all of this, was is Ocho um, up in the north. They're seasonal beers. They do a summer, autumn, winter um, beer, and, and they are outstanding. I don't know if you can get them on the mainland very often, but hopefully you can. I think we should be willing to travel yeah. for beer. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. So Ocho. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll make that our brewery of the week this week. Um, so thank you. Now, uh, I, I guess, is there anything else you wanted to say about uh, Science Made Beerable? Um We've got it listed on the website, and and I do have to stress that this isn't a you know a, a paid sponsorship. There's no tie, and it was just I was fascinated um, by the way that beer and science was merging in such an interesting event, um, and how well you communicated that. So uh, I wanted to talk to you, and it's turned out that it wasn't a fluke um, about the communication side of that. So, but is there anything else you want to say um, about the event? Um, yeah, I guess um, if people are interested, you can check out our Facebook or Instagram pages. It's probably where we're most active. We have a website um, and we endeavour to post some more 
yeah, fear-focused science blogs on there. Um, we're hoping to sort of expand in the next few years to have more resources to um, focus on those sorts of things. I mean, Matt and I are both working full-time, so it's hard to find time for these things. Um, but, we've, yeah, we will post more stuff on our website. Um, if you ever have anything you want us to dive into, if there's some question, scientific question you have about fear, we'd love to break that down and make a post or, yeah. I know I said uh, last question before, but I'm going to ask you one last question, I promise this time. Is there any one element of the science of brewing that has blown your mind or any one element of you know, the, the, the science that you really love sharing with people um, and sharing your passion? Yeah, um, I guess when I learned about the way that um, the malt chitting works, so when they hydrate the, the barley grains and allow the embryo to germinate inside the seed, and the fact that they're... You know, brewers are using what's happening in natural biology to break down those complex starches and sugars into smaller sugars that are then fermentable by the yeast. I love that it's not something that humans have gone in and modified. I love that they're just letting biology do its thing at that point, where you're just letting the seed germinate and they're stopping it right at the right time. I think that's so fascinating. Although, having said that, people are working on uh, intervening and, and, and processing it. But that, again, I'm with you. You lose a little bit of the magic um, where, when that happens. So, uh, Kelsey Picard, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this Beer as a Conversation. All the very, very best with the upcoming uh, Science Made Beerable event. There are links in the show notes, and I'll link to all of your pages and encourage people to uh, get the beers while you can. Um, the brewers are Shambles, Range and Molly Rose, who are some highly sought after beers at the best of times, but particularly with something like this. So, uh, all the very best. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, I'm hoping that I can make it along to the event myself, but uh, all the very best. Great. Thank you so much, Matt. And that was Kelsey Picard. You can find links to the event and also to their Facebook page in the show notes. If you work in the brewing industry and are listening to this, you're not alone. Our listener feedback is that Radio Brews News is where the brewing industry and decision makers turn for their insight and analysis. And so it's the perfect audience to reach with your own message as well. Now more than ever, you should be investing your marketing spend in media that gets results and is actually heard. And just ask the businesses such as Rallings and Bluestone Yeast about the reach and impact that our podcast advertising has and have some of that magic for yourselves. Shoot through an email to sam at brewsnews.com.au to find out how you can advertise. And we'll be back this Friday with Brews News Week with all of the stories over the last seven days and our team's insight and analysis. We'll join you then.